Hello, and welcome to The Empowered Resilient Woman, a podcast that supports all women on the journey to becoming their most resilient self in life and in business. I'm your host, Kimberly Smith. I am so excited for today's episode. I am here with one of my favorite people, a woman who has inspired me, helped me find my way. She's helped me grow my business. And along the way, we definitely became fast friends. So Without further ado, I want to introduce to you Erica Carico. She is a award-winning money and marketing mentor for women who are ready to transform their lives by creating six and seven-figure soul-aligned businesses so that they can have the impact that they know they were destined to have while lucratively expressing their own soul purpose. Through coaching services and speaking, Erica helps soulful entrepreneurs build and scale their businesses to global empires, quit their nine to five jobs, make fabulous money on the spiritual path so that they can finally earn a living doing what they absolutely love and what they know they were put on earth to do. Erica has a bachelor's in psychology, a master's in business management, plus 12 years in international business leadership. She's built a multi-million dollar coaching business with two kids in tow while recovering from kidney cancer in just over four years. And she is obsessed with helping her clients around the world transform their lives by creating soulful global businesses while lucratively expressing their own soul purpose. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you're doing this and I'm so excited that we're doing this and let's just do it. (laughs) Yes. Hell yes. I mean, I, you and I got connected, obviously. I feel like it was such a kismet connection for a couple of reasons. I mean, it was back in 2020, like the world was falling apart. I had chosen to quit the the consulting gig I was doing because they were just being a-holes about the whole pandemic thing. (laughs) And I, I kind of embraced the fact that all right, it's now or never with my business. Like I've got this time. I had some financial cushion uh, and I found you through our academy. We both went to the same life coaching academy and immediately I just, I just knew. And we, yeah. And like, as our stories kind of unfolded, I mean, I definitely helped you in certain areas and you helped me in so many areas as well. It was definitely a two-way partnership for sure. (laughs) And and then of course, like the, the, the synergies, right? Like I'm always amazed at the people that I come into connection with. And for listeners who are just joining, uh, I've spent over 12 years in recruiting and staffing. And then I had no idea that you were also in that international line of business. And when we, found out was like, okay, this is just too weird. Like this was meant to be (laughs) completely. It was wild. So yeah, you have such a inspiring story, Erica, you know, give us kind of the 20,000 foot view of just, you know, how you got into coaching. You know, you, I shared a little bit in your bio, just about what was really happening in your life. You had a cancer diagnosis. How did that all really unfold for you? Yeah. Well, I think I was always that person who I knew that I was here to make a difference. And I knew that I was going to do something different with my life than sort of like the traditional whatever. Um, but I didn't ever know what that was. And it was like kind of a series of burnouts, you know, in my corporate career in recruitment. And then thinking that, you know, I was doing the responsible thing by switching careers. And I went in and got a $60,000 master's degree and then took a six figure pay cut to become the executive director of a not-for-profit organization. 
um, you know, where I kind of then realized, okay, well, I'm, I'm making a difference here, but long story short, I was still building somebody else's dream. I was still not doing my own work. I was still not being true to myself, um, in pretty much all areas of my life. And that was really when I was diagnosed with cancer. And at that point, it was such a wake up call for me that 20 years of me pushing down my feelings and ignoring my feelings and 20 years of really doing everything in my life that I felt I should be doing. Um, it was time for that to all go. And I had wanted to become a coach for quite some time, but I was told, you know, by all the people that there's no way you can ever earn a living doing that. You have a family, you're married, you need to be responsible and have a job. And, um, and so that's what I did. And then, you know, when my cancer diagnosis happened, literally one week out of surgery, I was sitting in a group call and I was starting to work towards my certification. And that was the journey where, you know, I was so committed to everything that was really going to be aligned with my soul was going to stay and or come and everything that was not was going to go. And, um, I was really committed to, you know, living the rest of my life. I didn't know how long I had, I didn't know if I was, I guess we never do really. But at that point you're like, wow, I could actually die in like six months or a year or two years or three years. And I wasn't going to waste the rest of my time, um, living for anybody else. So that's kind of how I, how everything switched for me. So that definitely shook up your perspective on, on life and just how much time you had left and everything. I mean, going kind of zooming in and going back a little bit, you know, when you were working in your job, you know, you're building somebody else's dream, you know, what lifestyle factors do you think really contributed to that constant burnout to maybe even your cancer diagnosis? You know, the more that I have learned and, you know, you, you look at stress as a whole and it is the root cause of almost like 90% of doctor's visits and diagnosis and all of that. What do you think was really contributing or what do you think now maybe hindsight being 2020 contributed to that diagnosis? Well, so kidneys are, well, yes, everything that you said, yes. I think the body, you know, we are given heads up and when we ignore the heads up in our bodies, it just keeps telling us further and further and further. And, you know, in our bodies, then it's, I don't know, the energy kind of manifests into physical symptoms. And when we ignore those, you know, but I, I think, you know, kidney, my, mine was kidney cancer and kidneys are all about toxicity. And I was, living from what would have appeared not a toxic life. I was very healthy. I worked out all the time. I was thin. I, I drank juices and smoothies. I did yoga. And, you know, when I was diagnosed, everyone was like, Oh my God, how did this happen to you? Right. But what I didn't realize was everything that was going on inside of my head and the toxicity mm. that I was carrying inside of my body. And I was in a marriage that I was 100% not aligned with. I was like screaming on the inside every day. I was chronically exhausted from trying trying to take care of two kids and working full time. I also was a really critical negative thinker towards myself. Everything was like shaming myself and shaming my body. And I just, I truly did not love or accept myself in any way, shape or form. And I think my body just had enough and it couldn't handle any more toxicity. And so, um, yeah, I think that it's just a culmination of thoughts and yes, how we treat our body physically, but carrying such heaviness within and the stress. Um, and I think trying to do things in a way that are very out of alignment for us causes so many illnesses. 
Yeah. So, I mean, this obviously seems like this was how you found your way in coaching, right? Like this misaligned profession, living a lifestyle that was, you know, misaligned in a marriage that seemed misaligned, right? So that seems like that was what pushed you in the direction of becoming a coach to help people find their sole purpose, to help them, you know, build their dream, which is just so amazing because I really do feel like almost everybody carries that kind of like secret life, you know, that they dream about, that they fantasize about, you know, oh, well, if things were different, oh, if I could go back in time, oh, if I wasn't married or had kids. Yeah. Like, you know, you mentioned people kind of discouraging you from going after your dream. And how did you become okay with like, just saying, fuck it to all of the, the naysayers and doing it anyway, doing it in a time in your life where you know, I'm sure people had a ton of opinions about, you know, where you should have been putting your attention. Yeah. I think when you're diagnosed with something like that and you really don't know how long you have left, or if you're going to be able to see your kids grow up, or you really look at everything that you've done in your life. And I would not have been okay with leaving this earth and not having done what I felt I came here to do. Yeah, absolutely. So and I didn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. Anybody said it was like, <laughs> yeah. this is the rest of my life. And if you're not a lot, if you're not on board, then you're not a part of it. And girl, we talked 100%. about, that. I grew, I dropped an effing grenade in my life. I blew the shit up. Like nothing stayed <laughs> the same. I was alone. I hit rock bottom. I was like sitting in a pile of just ashes everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times it is those, you know, we've talked a lot, you know, so far on the podcast about these big awakening moments that just shake us alive. And it's like, I cannot urge people enough who are listening, who, you know, share it, who, whatever, right. Like don't wait for one of those shakeup moments. Don't wait for a diagnosis. Don't wait until, you know, something like the bottom falls out. Right. And it's, you know, not living, you can't live your life waiting for that other shoe to drop. But if you know, in your gut, if you know, in your heart of hearts that you are not fully expressing yourself, you're not in fully alignment, right. And it's not to say that like everything in your life, like has to be blown up or it has to fall away but maybe there's some things that you can do to just bring yourself more in alignment so that all of the other things are that much more fulfilling too. Um, yes, but I, I feel you on that. I mean, I, that's where you and I have, again, some synergies because I was like, okay, we're just going to do a complete overhaul on the career, the marriage, the lifestyle, all of the above. Um, transitions are hard. You know, there's, the dark part, right? The part that I think a lot of people fear when they are making a shift, whether it's within their career or with in a relationship or whatever, right? You know, there's so much fear that's wrapped around that change. And I, there's also a lot of light though too, right? And it's kind of embracing both. So, you know, with, we've kind of talked about your career and, you know, making the decision to, to go for your dreams, to become the coach that you've, you had always dreamed about being on the relationship side, you know, what about making the decision to get that divorce? Um, you know, what was like the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak? Yeah. 
Oh, I think I was unhappy. Well, we were unhappy in our marriage for, well, I shouldn't speak for him. I was unhappy in my marriage for about seven years. And Mm. I think I, what finally broke, actually what finally broke the camel's back was when my, we were sleeping in separate rooms. Like he literally was like living in the basement and we hadn't slept in the same room since probably for 10 years, I think, because Um, it started when I was pregnant with my first and we just never ended up back in the same room. And of course we were literally like roommates for pretty much our entire marriage. And my son, one day I was driving him to school and he was like in the backseat and he was like, mom, guess what? And I was like, what? And he was like, (laughs) did you know that he said it's one of his friends name, his parents sleep in the same bed. (gasps) I was like, Oh my gosh. He was so blown away that two adults who are married sleep in the same bed, let alone the same room. And at that point I was like, I am showing my kids everything that I don't want them to think a marriage is. And at that point it was a really huge awakening for me in that I wasn't leaving my marriage because I didn't want to be a part-time mom. I couldn't Mm -hmm. handle the fact that I was only going to see my kids half the time. And likewise, they would only see me half the time. And in that moment, I realized that I would rather have my kids see me half the time and living my full self-expression and a life that is so true to me than see me every day in a complete facade of a like shell of a, you know, I was just like a shell of who I was supposed to be. Um, and that was when I decided to leave. Yeah. It's not easy. And I'm, I'm sure you had a lot of fear and self-doubt that you encountered. I mean, I shit, I know that I did. I mean, it is a son of a bitch. (laughs) And, um, still have the fear and the self-doubt because it's a process when you, you can't just be like, bye, I'm never going to see you again. When you have kids, you are still co-parenting with this person and have to have some kind of a relationship. So it's a journey. (laughs) Uh, Yes. All the way. I mean, so, so how, how did you build yourself up in that transition? How did you forge ahead through all the fear through the self-doubt? God, one minute at a time, like literally legit one minute at a time. I mean, I think I cried. I was, I ended up on antidepressants. I actually ended up on anti-anxiety medicine as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I completely stopped drinking alcohol altogether. Um, I was really trying to do the basics to take care of my mental health. And I struggled. It was, I'm not even going to lie when I say, you know, I, it was the first time in my life I ever felt that I lost a lot of who I was, um, and I wasn't functioning. And so I did reach out and asked for help. And once I was on the antidepressants, I don't know, a little, you know, a little bit, um, I felt like some of the fog had lifted and I was able to just take better care of myself, but it was like literally just taking it one day at a time. I was in therapy. I was trying to keep myself at clean eating. I was trying to exercise through it. I was, um, yeah, I was not okay. And at the end of the day, I knew that I would be okay. And I knew that this will pass. And through all the other things that I've done in my life that are just, were so hard, you know, the one thing that you can depend on. And the one thing that is certain in life is that nothing is permanent. And so I just kept telling myself, this is going to have to end. This is going to have to get better. I'm going to have to get through it. And there was no, there was no plan B. So, you know, it was messy and it was, 
it was terrifying and it was liberating and it was fucking beautiful all at the same time. And I honestly look back and I'm like, so proud of myself and so glad that I did that. And my only regret is that I didn't do it sooner. Yeah. And and I really think that any woman, any person who goes through a divorce or, or any, I mean, just anything, when you look at their life and the transitions that we go through, they're, they're all messy that we're going to fumble, right? Like we, we want them to be as smooth as possible, but they all have the same characteristics of fear and self-doubt and, you know, depressive episodes and anxiety. And I mean, you did so many wonderful things in support of yourself and kind of trying to keep that baseline alive, right? Like the baseline of what are the things that I need to do in support of myself? What are the things that I can control? Right. And you just shared them all. I mean, that's an, um, that's all you can do when you're kind of walking through the fire like that. Um, but it's hard because, you know, when, when we're in it and we have so many emotions flying around, it's so easy to let those simple things fall to the wayside and just completely unravel. Yeah. Um, but that's how yeah. we hold ourselves together. Um, you yeah. Know what- and I really pulled on women like you also, I actually created a list. Um, I can't remember what I called it, but I had this list. And anytime I hit these really dark moments, I looked through my list. You were on that list of women oh. who been through. Yeah. Who have been through, through divorce. They're on the other side, they're thriving yeah. and happy. And there was probably like 12 or 15, but you were one of those names. And I would look at that list and I would imagine every single woman and just knowing that they had been through it and they are now on the other side and they're happy. And, you know, that was a huge thing for me. I needed some kind of proof or evidence that it was going to be okay. Absolutely. And I know, I know we had like a few conversations just about how I approached my divorce and, you know, how I got through it. And I mean, the other day I was thinking about it and just how far Sam and I have come and how, you know, Amelia has fared through the whole thing. And I'm just like in awe, like that, holy crap. Like, I don't know how we did it, but we did it right. Like, you know, Sam and I sent memes to each other. Like we have a very funny friendship based relationship and it it makes the co-parenting so much easier. I mean, what has been your approach to your divorce um, and maybe the hardest thing to let go of? Oh, I've been so, in spite of what everybody has told me, everybody, lawyers, therapists, child psychologists, friends, family, everyone's trying to take sides. And, you know, just my vision through the whole thing was we are still going to be a family we are just going to look different on the other side of this thing. And even my ex-husband did not hold that vision. I mean, we got to a point probably a year ago where we were actually forced to communicate through an app. That's how bad our communication was getting and how tumultuous the divorce was. And, um, I still held the vision Yeah. and now same kind of thing. Like we're actually taking a trip to Spain as a family. Oh oh my gosh. How exciting. Yeah. So I feel like we've come full circle, but my vision was that we come out as co-parents, we come out as friends, we come out still a family. We're just going to, we're just going to look a lot different. Um, yeah. And that, and that has to be the new way. You know, I feel like our generation, I don't know if you were your parents divorced or were they they married and they hated each other. Like they Mm -hmm. did not stay. It was like, seven years of just hate. And then the first time I actually saw them speak nicely to each other was at my wedding 30 years later. Oh my God. Yeah. And my, mine were divorced and you know, my mom hated my dad for, for good measure, right? Like he's still not in our lives and (laughs) good riddance. (laughs) Sometimes that's how it has to go too. I mean, like, 
<laughs> not all, you know, family ties mend. <laughs> we'll just say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like our generation wanting to do it a little bit better. Right. I mean, I think our, our parents did the best that they could. They divorce was such a taboo thing. It still yes. feels kind of like that, but like I, I get inspiration and, and just like you, I had people that inspired me. You know, there was one, I remember years and years ago, I worked with, um, a woman at the Special Olympics in New York, and she had one daughter and she was divorced and she had a very, very good co-parenting relationship. You know, she had that mentality of, we're still a family, you know, and if her daughter asked her for something, all right, well, let's get dad on the phone. Let's talk to him about it too. Let's make this decision as a family. You know, um, I'm getting ready to, to, you know, move in with my partner Aziz. Right. And so it's like, I was talking to Sam about that and, you know, Amelia's bed in my house. We are not sure what we're going to do with that. And Sam's like, oh, well, you know, I'll sell this bunk beds here and Amelia can keep her queen bed if she wants to have it at my house. So it's like, you know, again, we're just making those decisions as a family and it does take being intentional and it is so hard to block out the opinions of other people sometimes, but that is, that's a boundary, you know, creating those boundaries to protect your vision. Right. And that's in your personal life, in your business, right? Like these are all the themes that it's just practicing it again, but in a different arena. Yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we just don't see those, um, you know, the, just the applications, the difference of where we're applying things, but it just being the exact same theme. Right. You know? That's so true. Yeah. 100%. So, you know, that's kind of the, the dredging the bottom within the divorce side, but I want to talk about the exciting stuff too, you know, like the, the beautiful, you know, expression of life that you've been able to now embody and have for yourself on the other side. I mean, what has been the biggest realization about yourself, right? About meeting this new version of yourself, or maybe like just reconnecting with your, you know, old self or your authentic self on the other side. Did you, what did you learn about yourself? What were some of those realizations? One that I really can do anything. That I've <laughs> yes. Like literally anything. I know that now. Um, and I think for me, the biggest realization was that I was always in there and that I always knew. And now my outside of my external world really does reflect um, what I knew deep down on the inside in so many ways, you know, mm -hmm. that I am worthy and that I am lovable and that I actually, you know, just really love myself now down to like a cellular level. Mm -hmm. I think it's just been all about accepting myself and, you know, the, the light part of me and the shadow part of me and, um, and just really allowing it to come to the surface and trust that who and what is meant to be in my life will, um, and who and what is not will not. Yeah. What does life look like for you now? Post-divorce? Um, what are the best parts? What are you savoring? Oh, well, my own freaking home. Oh. Yes, I know. Congratulations. I've been, I mean, obviously <laughs> I always peep, your, peep on your stories and follow you. And I've seen like, just, yes, you coming into this new home and that you've been dreaming of. It's yes. all yours. Bought through my business. That was a thing too. It's like, I bought this through my business. My business supported me to buy this home. It's, mm -hmm. you know, I've 
bought it. I renovated it. I decorated it. It is like everything in here is just a hundred percent me. And I have never had my own space like this before. I always had roommates and then I moved out from roommates into my husband's apartment and whatever. And I never had my own space. And I think that, yeah, I just freaking love it. It's the best, right? I mean, me too. Yeah. I, w- I went from like my parents' house to being, you know, an RA was like, I, I think I was the only time I actually had my own space, but then yeah, me and Sam moved in together. So right. my it's liberating for sure. It's so liberating. Yes. And then I think also all of the energy that was expected to be put into my marriage and all of the energy that was consumed in my head of wanting to leave and then leaving. It's like, I have so much headspace now. And I've just been putting that into my businesses, like quadrupled. I mean, it's kind of insane. I have been dating on and off and really learning what I want and what I don't want. And actually Mm -hmm. that I'm really effing happy alone and kind of that way. Um, so I'm totally single right now. Um, I've been really just putting a lot of energy into my kids and friendships, um, a lot of entrepreneurial friendships. I'm traveling a bit more. Um, I'm in a mastermind. I think it's just, I'm just having fun. I just, if something feels good, I do lots of adventures. I ski, I snowboard, I backpack, I mountain bike. Um, and you know what? I do a lot of it alone and I am just so effing happy doing it alone that, um, yeah, it's a weird place to be. I know. Right. Like you almost, and I think when you're in that space of pure happiness, there's also some reckoning to take place because (laughs) we're, we're so conditioned to, to struggle, right. And to that life isn't perfect and every, anything, you know, nothing comes easy. Everything's going to be hard, you know? And it's like, yes, to a point there's going to be challenges and don't we deserve just pure bliss and to enjoy the freaking lives that we work so goddamn hard for. I mean, I always say that I'm like, fuck that. I don't want to sign up for this struggle. Like, no. Yeah. Completely. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, Reckoning with that guilt and just like continuing to reprogram that hundred percent you're worthy. You deserve it. You work for every day. Why not enjoy all of the fruits of your labor? Well, I think that's also part of, you know, when we're changing so much and we're evolving, our friends don't, our friends, our family, our, our ex-partner, I mean, they're kind of sitting, you feel bad in a sense. Like I do, I don't know if you do this, but I carry sometimes a sense of guilt or shame because I feel like I've left them behind in a way. Mm. And at the same time, it's like, well, hang on a minute. This is my evolution. This is my growth. This is my life path. I shouldn't feel guilty that, you know, I'm now living a very different life than they are. Um, so it's stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of release, a lot of death and rebirth. I think when you're going through an evolution as a woman. Absolutely. You know, the things that are meant to stay in your life will stay, you know, and it's, it's, I often like pray in this way where like, I'm, I'm really asking like God or the divine, like, please, like whoever is meant to stay, let them stay. Whoever is meant to go, let them go. You know, like I, I, I kind of welcome that now. Whereas like one at one time I used to fear like being left alone. Like I, I trust, like, I think that that's really what it comes down to is right. Trusting the path, trusting that whatever is meant to be there will, right. The relationships that are meant to stay will endure and they might look different and that's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Humans, we don't do well with change. I think we have to really work 
at a subconscious level and an external level and a conscious level to make change because we're hardwired to not for safety purposes. So, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, all of this, no doubt has been, you know, fuel for your purpose, for your dreams, for your future, right? Like you've seen so much, so much success in your business. You know, what would you tell someone who's currently kind of going through that chaotic time in their life? You know, what do they need to know? have a vision, have a vision and hold true to that. Um, and then also just take it one day at a time and celebrate how far you've come. I think is the other thing. It's so easy to forget that so easy to compare yourself to where you want to be and just really focus on the lack. And I think comparing, you know, how far we've come and maybe we haven't left our marriage yet, or maybe we haven't started our business yet, but look at how far you've come just from when you first had the idea or you first had the very first desire or, you know, really celebrate and honor yourself there too. Absolutely. Now you are a money and marketing mentor. So, I mean, go a little bit deeper, you know, I want you to share with our listeners, you know, what does that exactly mean? What is, where do you start with your clients when they come to you? Well, if if somebody already knows, so we do start, if you don't know what business you want to start, or you don't know what your purpose is, we do start people there. Let's get you really clear first on what business do you want to start? One that is really aligned with your soul and why you're here so that you can have impact. And then two, I call it money and marketing because I started out just wanting to help people, well, really live their purpose and then kind of turned into more of a business coach. But why I also now pull money in is because I never had money. And I was one of those women who was really waiting for my husband to create wealth for me. And Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize that I actually had the, I could just go out and do it myself. And once I did, and now that I've seen so many other women really work towards and become financially free and financially independent, Money does not provide happiness, but it provides opportunity and it gives mm-hmm. us choice. And when we are financially supported, we we step into our power and the game changes. That is really when we're not like energetically worried about how to pay the bills or where our you know next clients are going to come from or whatever. A woman becomes so powerful in her own work that the transformation she then provides to her clients is next level. So there's kind of a couple of pieces, but yeah, we help people to step into their business and then build it in a way that feels really soulful to them so that they can have impact and also earn income for their own personal reasons. Right. Well, you definitely helped me do that. I mean, you were my coach for nine months um, in a couple different containers, one-on-one and then in, in a group container too. And I mean, I, I look back and I'm like, man, what we accomplished set me off on a huge, like just an incredible trajectory. And I mean, I, I could have wasted so much time trying to figure it out for myself. And, you know, I probably could, but it, it would have been so much more frustrating. It would have been so much harder. It was definitely the easier path, you know, working with you and just letting that help me develop my vision. I mean, I built my programs when we were working together, all my workshops. I mean, freaking (laughs) awesome. So, so amazing. Well, and you come so far, look at just, it's amazing to see all the, I've always had my eye on you and it's just, I've been watching you one success after the next, after the next, after the next, it's pretty badass. 
<laughs> oh, thanks girl. I mean, and, and I love that you have brought in the money piece. And I think just as we were kind of, um, ending our time together, I actually was kind of on that path as well. Like I knew my money mindset was fucked up. Like I, same thing came from very humble background. I, and, and you brought up a good point, you like kind of waiting on your partner to, yeah. to build that wealth. And, you yep. know, Sam, Sam worked on a trade floor, made great money. You know, we were coming into some, you know, great money owned multiple properties and, but there was a piece of me that felt like my career had taken back seat to his. Yeah. And totally. I was really in the role of supporting him so that he could do that work. And honestly, I don't even think he really like he never asked for that. He never really wanted that. It just kind of was that subconscious cultural expectation that just takes center stage. And yeah. And the money mindset, I mean, maybe we'll have you back on to talk a little bit more about that because it, it is so powerful when you realize the way that you think about money, the energy that you hold around money and your beliefs around money and how that holds you back, whether it, and in your corporate career or nine to five or whatever, like you don't have to own a business to yeah. be hindering yourself. Right. No, absolutely. I was literally buying my husband books, like, Hey, read this one on yeah. wealth. And like, Hey, here's this, that you should be researching to like literally. And he wasn't doing it. And I'm getting sitting there getting angry and like pissed off and frustrated. Like, why are you not doing this? It did not occur to me to do it myself, to read the book myself. Like that is yeah. how conditioned I was. And yeah, it, there's so much that we could talk about around money, but, um, once you flip that script, uh, wow. I mean, anything is possible. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to put everything in the show notes about how people can, you know, work with you and, and all of that. Um, but before we get to like closing out, cause this has been such an amazing conversation, uh, we're going to do our little lightning round. So, you know, what is, what is your biggest stressor right now? And what are you doing to support yourself to kind of tackle that challenge? Oh gosh, my biggest stressor right now, I would say my biggest, honestly, I would say my biggest stressor right now is I still have a lot of my people pleasing tendencies and the level that my business is at. We just, there are so many people who need so many things from me and from us. And I think I'm really trying to um, put boundaries in place around my own capacity. And mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I just have always been accessible. I've always been the yes person. And I'm now it's just, it's actually not possible. The, right. the is not there. So I'm trying to learn boundaries and how to just delegate more to my team and to other people and really asking myself who not how right now. Yeah. And, and that leadership, those leadership skills, I feel like there's just so much opportunity to expand on. And like, as a coach, yes, you want it, to, it's almost, yes, using those coaching skills in a different way to help empower those people to be more solution-minded, right. To, you know, to go, go look for the answer before you yeah. come to me. Right. Like I had a boss once that was like, do not come to me with problems, come to me with the solution and then tell me what's going on. Right. Tell me what's already in motion. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I loved it. And it was, and it was really empowering to know that I had that autonomy. And I think on the flip side of it, some, so many people are very conditioned to just ask for permission for everything and to not have that, uh, creative control or the support or, or whatever it is to just go and do the damn thing. <laughs> yes, that is so true. 
Yeah. So patience, humility, and surrender. These are like core principles. Which one is going to be, which one's the hardest for you or what, which one do you struggle with the most? Patience. I would say I struggle with the most. I want what I want and I want it now. (laughs) Yes. Tell me about it. Yeah. I want my vision to like happen yesterday. And I think I really struggle, but I think it's also so important to, um, to recognize that, you know, things do take time and also they can be sped up by making certain decisions. But what I really try and do is yes, have an idea as to where I want to go and have goals. And before I, you know, I would just be like, I would hit the goal and then I'd be like, Oh yeah, great. That's great. What's next? Like what's next? Or where are we at this month? Or what's happening now? Or what do I need to do? And it's like, I wasn't even celebrating. So I think patience Mm. really comes with having the goals and then also taking the time to celebrate as well. And just kind of measuring from where you started again, like I talked about before, um, versus where, you know, always trying to measure yourself to where you want to be. That's kind of a, yeah, absolutely. So how are, how are you committed to being resilient? Curl. (laughs) (laughs) This is a deep question. I know like you, we could probably do a whole nother podcast on just this question. (laughs) Yeah. On resilient, on resiliency. Oh, I think you probably like you, I mean, I cannot count the number of times I have been knocked down and just been on my knees surrendered and honestly not knowing how I was going to get back up. But I think it really comes down to purpose and knowing you are here for a reason and your life does matter and your story counts and your voice matters. And, you know, you have a reason for being here. You came to this planet for a specific reason. And, um, and to me, that's always enough to just get me back up and keep, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to, to lay there on the floor for a while. For a hot minute. <laughs> The floor fixes everything, right? I mean, it's so comforting and grounding to just (laughs) lay down for a bit and, and be there, but yeah, remembering your purpose a hundred percent. I agree with that. And yeah, I, I think a lot about how we all have the opportunity to impact the the collective world. And it could be through a small act of kindness. It could be through a business. It could be through the way that you're raising your family, um, or the work that you're doing within a corporation, whatever it is. What do you love most about being a woman? Oh, what do I love? Oh, I love that. Oh, I think it's, oh man, we're just, I think, oh man, what do I love about being, oh man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, woman. Yes. Oh, oh, woman. That's Shania Twain's man. I feel like a woman. I love that. Yeah. I don't know. I think I love how, I love how connected and how intuitive and how alive and just how we are. So our our physical bodies are so connected to spirit source, the earth. Um, we are fucking magic. Women are magical on all levels. I was a little girl, always believed in like magic. And I kind of grew up running through forests and never played Mm -hmm. with Barbie dolls, but was always like outside and yeah, and how magical the world was. And then somewhere along the way, I was like, so conditioned by society. And as I've been really stepping back into just my feminine energy and just remembering what it's like to be a woman, we are f- like magic embodied. Yes. Um, and yeah, 
Yeah. The feminine energy is a force to be reckoned with, right? Like we, we do, and that, that'll definitely be a subject here on the podcast at some point in time. Um, and you know, not to genderize things, but yes, the polarities between the different energies that we can embody and, you know, enact in our lives. It's, it is, it's so powerful. What are you reading right now? What is, you know, what are you watching right now? What's kind of like, what do you dig in? I'm actually reading. So I always am reading some kind of a money book. So I always go back and read think and grow rich. Um, the millionaire mind. I love that one too. I'm kind of reading that one right now as well. Mm. I did just read a great book that is called the gap and the gain. Um, oh, it's pretty similar to what I just talked about in that when we're an entrepreneur and we're constantly measuring ourselves against where we want to be and just, we're not happy. Like we're always trying to hit a goal or a target. And we're like, why don't I have a million dollar business? Well, shit. Now I have a million dollar business. Why don't I have a $10 million business? Why did I miss my launch by $200,000 this time or whatever it might be? We're living in the gap. And that just creates so much anxiety and depression and ungratefulness. And he talks yeah. about how we need to but like flip our focus and live in the game. So mm. have those goals, but measure yourself to, to like where you were when you started. And so for me, it's like, wow, I look back and I, my very first goal was to have a $2,500 month and it took me six months to get there. And, you know, that's where I was five years ago. And now I have a multi seven figure business, you know, sure. I'm not at 10 million, but look where I came from. So the gap in the gain, it's an amazing book. It's really shifted how I view things. Love it. Definitely think every entrepreneur should read that. Awesome. And what's bringing you joy? You know, what is a daily practice that you're really grounding into, or maybe a product that you're loving? I honestly have just been loving sleep. Like I'm so chronically sleep deprived in my marriage. And when my kids Mm. were small and I have this house now and like they leave and you might, they go over to their dads and I'm, you might think that I have this like incredible life and sure I go and do things, but honestly, there, I just have been loving sleeping and like Resting. wrapping myself in cozy blankets and just sitting on my couch in front of the fire and being so quiet and still. Yeah. That sounds like heaven. Oh my gosh. I think we all need more of that in our life. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, how can people connect with you? I mean, of course we're going to put things in the show notes, but you know, um, talk to the people, tell them how to reach out to you, where they can find more information about your offerings and programs, all the goods. Yeah. So everything is on ericacarico.com. They can find Awaken Your Purpose. Um, they can find Soul Business Accelerator. Um, they can find Soul Business Scale. And then of course on Instagram, we're on YouTube as well. Um, I have a Facebook group, Seven Figure Soul Sisters. Um, we're kind of, yeah, kind of all over the place. <laughs> so where, wherever you, whatever platform you use, she's going to be there. So, be there. <laughs> and again, those will be in the show notes. Erica, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing so much wisdom and your light with our listeners. I just, I appreciate you so much. Well, like right back at you. Thank you so much for having me. Such an honor. Yes. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot, share it to social media, tag me at Kimberly.brook.smith so I can repost and just say thank you. It's all about spreading the love and sharing these resources with people so that they can learn more about, you know, how to cope, how to live more aligned lives, all the things. I appreciate each and every one of you so, so much and keep shining. I will chat with you soon and see you on the next episode. Oh, 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 oh,